All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can you see The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, it arms To the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Steals, cutting in, shoots, Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Lots of good stuff going on at Zephyr Epic right now. You can follow them on all social medias. Got the weekly case breaks on Twitch. Check those out for sure. And also, those Upper Deck, Upper Deck Series 1 cards. Those are out. People are trying to get their hands on those. Go to Zephyr Epic to do it. Two cities, Harmon. My name is David Jolly. Joined as always by Chris Faber and Harmon Dial. Well, not Harmon is not always here, but you're here today. Harmon, two cities. From Victoria nice. to uh, Halifax. Okay, that's fair. I, I can. I, I was okay. trying to think no of. The, the letters coordinating with each other, the, okay. but I, I couldn't do it. I'll yeah. give you one. From Victoria to Victoriaville. Wow. All Ooh. the way across the country. Wow. So, yes, all orders over $50 at Zephyr Epic. Um, 
they'll they will ship anywhere in Canada on all orders. Even Victoriaville. Even Victoriaville. And you get five dollars off your order with our promo code hockey season capital H capital S. And we are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code Convo DD Capital C Capital D's all one word Convo DD. That will get you twenty five percent off and free delivery on your first order on DoorDash. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Bujelli. I'm realizing now that I'm introducing myself twice, but we are very pleased to be joined in studio. By Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Harmon, what's going on today? Doing great. It was a great, uh, great start of the day at the uh, Canucks Autism Network uh, luncheon. And uh, recording now, me and uh, Faye, we're going to go to the a- Abbotsford Canucks uh, home opener right after. So it's a busy, busy day on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Just came back from the Canucks Autism Network luncheon. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're all wearing suits. We're all wearing our little... Uh, I'm not Faber. No. But I'm wearing the nicest shoes. That no, yours are pretty nice too. Well, no, your yours look like they're from uh, the I kind these, you might get at Walmart I for dress still, shoes. Like Fifteen dollars. I was gonna shoe say, yeah, they're they're nice shoes. You know though. what? Well, here's the problem. I, I was gonna wear my suit today. Okay. I was all excited. You know, I've never worn the suit. Right, I bought it last year because I was like. Maybe there's an outside shot I get on TV and be one of these big shots like Harmon Dial or something. And I hop on the panel with Merch. So I bought a suit for that occasion. Haven't worn it. It's still in like the the Moore's uh, bag. Hasn't been mm-hmm. touched. And I was like, this is a good time to wear it. Wear it to the luncheon. But I go looking because I can't wear brown shoes with a black suit. Harm, right? I can't do that? No. Okay. So no. I, I didn't do that. But I'm looking for black shoes. I go to I go to the bay. That seems like a spot for shoes, right? So I look at the dress shoes. Biggest size is like nine and a half at the bay. So then I go across to Moore's and I knew I was, I knew I wasn't going to get shoes at Moore's because the guy coming up to, to help me, he's like five foot three. He's probably got like size seven shoes. And I just knew from the guy that was helping me, I said, there's no chance they have size 13s in here. So he's like, what can I help you with? And I was like, I just need a pair of black dress shoes, size 13s. He's like, I'll go check the back. I don't think we have any. I sat there for like 15 minutes, just like an idiot sitting in one of the Moore's chairs. I knew they like, I was just wasting time pretty much. And he comes out. He's like, "Uh, we have a, we have a pair of winter boots. And I was like, okay, well I told you I need dress shoes. Like I don't need like a a one pair of winter boots that they had in there. So I had to go with the burgundy pants again. My, my, I think I wore this exact same outfit to uh, one of the training camp days. Looks good. I think it's, it's a good look. Me and Harm were saying on the way in, like the brown shoes and the burgundy pants. Kind of pops a little bit. Yeah, it looks good. I'll You've got wearing, yourself yeah. a little uh, little surprise coming too. I think you might want to go with brown shoes on your big I am, outfit. I absolutely am, and I have this reversible belt that is brown mm. on the other side. Same thing. Yeah, man, it's clutch. Reversible belt. Absolutely, belts. it's absolutely. Clutch. But that lunch, I tell you, it was good. Uh, you know, I'm a big uh, big fan and supporter of the Canucks Autism Network. What they were able to do, story was great to hear, and uh, to see how much money they raised, it was it was awesome. Yeah, I think it was a great little event there, and the lunch was solid. Well, you guys didn't touch your salads. I okay. I ate I ate half of it. No, you ate one roll of cucumber. No, 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 no. I I wolfed through half of the salad. I did. Did you? I did. We took the picture and then I wolfed through half of the salad. Really good for you. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, well, you you didn't even touch yours quads. And I had I had the cucumber. I don't even know if that. I had all the cucumber. Okay, well, good for you. And then you weren't able to eat the cheesecake, which was dessert was presented right in front of. I thought tempting for me the whole time. So I'm I'm gonna get a little right off the hop, little fork in there off the top. And uh, this is the kind of fancy lunch where they got uh, four different forks. Two knives that these fancy knives here, they, they give you two different knives. They're all fancy. They both look like knives to butter your bread with. I'm trying to cut the chicken with these knives. They're so like, yeah, I get it. Cool. They're fancy. But just give me like a steak knife. Give me some sort of knife to cut into a ch- piece of chicken with. I felt like I was buttering the chicken as I was cutting through it. But uh, you didn't have you couldn't eat the cheesecake because yeah, you're, so- you're a nut allergy. But they brought you out fruit and yeah. you were you were probably not even going to eat that in the first place. But little uh, milestone in David Quadrelli's life tonight. First time eating. Uh, I'll let you tell the people what you had for the first time since you were seven years old. Seven or eight. Something around there. That I realized that was the age where I wrote off most foods and like most fruit. But I tried strawberries like for the first time since I was eight. Um, and it was good. I liked them. It was much like my shrimp experience where I, I had smelled shrimp. I don't even think I'd ever even tasted it. And I just looked at it and decided I didn't like shrimp. See, the smell is so much worse than the taste of shrimp. So yes. that, that's too bad. The smell would put you off. I can understand that. But strawberries, like, I don't know how you've gone this long, that long without having straw. They're so good. Like, strawberries are just I'm a picky eater, one. and I'm like, quads. Yeah. Ow. I know, man. I, well, at least I'm not putting, like, ketchup on my strawberries. 
Like I, you were. I, I yeah. didn't put ketchup. Harmon was did? doing that, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, like, I like waved down at the Western Bayshore at this like fancy lunch. I was like, yeah, I need some ketchup for my strawberries. Oh, definitely. Man. He asked Yannick Hansen himself to get him ketchup. I did. Yeah. Yannick Hansen walked yeah. by. Yeah, a couple, of, couple of speakers. There's some NHL alum yeah, at every table. Fun. Except for us because we're the media table. They weren't going to stick a player with us. Yeah, it was just Wags. It was yeah, okay. Just us and Wags. <laughs> Actually, you know, I don't think you talked to them very much, but uh, our old friends from Labatt were there. That was who that sitting beside wow. you there, yeah. I had no idea. You know, a little bad blood, not sponsors of the show yeah, anymore. A little bad blood. That's why I didn't talk to them. Us, yeah. Didn't acknowledge them. It but, was done uh, on purpose. Aside from that, lunch was good. Uh, really good little. First time you say the word because I'm going to screw it up here. The little pasta, potato pasta. What are they called? Gnocchi. Gnocchi. That's the first time uh, Harm had it too. Yeah, it was good. It yeah, is good. Really I would good. say, like you know, see, you guys having gnocchi for the first time is like crazier to me than me no, eating a strawberry. I say that's not my first time, but oh, okay. That uh, like I've only had gnocchi for the first time, like maybe two, three years ago. Mm. I that's one of the most underrated foods on the market because I I like mashed potatoes. I love pasta, and that's kind of like a mix of the both. That's how I kind of was explaining it to Harm. It's kind of like it's potato pasta. And I tell you, it's the texture. If you nail it, and they did, obviously, like whoever was chefing it up back there, making that, they absolutely nailed it because those were, those were good little, those were pretty good, little pillowy. I've that's had, what I would say. I've had bad gnocchi, and it is like <laughs> gummy. Yeah, I don't want to say where it was, but yeah, it was it was bad. It wasn't amore, it was, was it? Of course not. What's uh, what's the latest? Passing more here, they're uh, moving in the new place here. Yes, Claudio's moving in uh, to. Skyline Drive there yeah. by the solar We got to get district. back on the phone lines and get another sponsor here. That's that seems like a slam dunk. That's, yeah, that's a free ad though. That's a free ad. We always give free ads to Pasta Mori. It's no free ads except for Pasta Mori. But we have a hockey, hockey and Burger King to talk to. Yeah, Burger King. I almost got Burger King the other day after what we had. Really? Yeah, like was, again. Well, yeah, because I didn't. It was about seven thirty at night. Uh, I've been running around since five in the morning, and I hadn't eaten that day yet. And I was driving in, and I uh, girlfriend said she's like, "I got crackers and cheese at the house for you." So, you know, I've been eating crackers and cheese for dinner for the last month. Like, I don't know, like I'm literally eating like you two pretty much is what I've been eating for dinner. So I was like, I went, I almost went through the drive through. I even like made the turn to go to Burger King. And I was like, ah, I'll just have the crackers and cheese. Like, I, you know, we had some Gouda. That's some good stuff. That's good. Good quality cheese. So I skipped it. But uh, still, like, I'll go back to Burger King after what we had. Like, we had, The Whoppers were really good. They, yeah. I mean, can't complain. It was it was pretty solid. That flame grilled patty, that's that's pretty good. But we yeah. do have some hockey to talk. I've hold on. I've heard some rumors okay, about Burger King though. Back in the day, like I don't know if you guys ever heard this rumor. You hear? You guys ever hear about Burger King? Apparent. What I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not. They cook all their meat in the morning. Like they flame grill no it all idea. in the morning, and then no they keep clue. it as a warmer. Just a rumor I've heard. All right, get to your get to your hockey thing or whatever. Oh, you mean the thing that this podcast we got a three is actually about. we got a three star review on Apple Podcasts, and they said. Probably the second best uh, Canucks podcast out there. Uh, all you got to do is skip the first eight to ten minutes for the for the ha. good stuff. Three fair three enough. star review. Appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So yeah. what are we at? Eight to ten minutes. I'm yeah. I'm trying to drive the bus here. I'm trying to trying to get you going here. Canucks just wrapped up a game against the Chicago Blackhawks. This was a big big game, guys. Like that game that they had against Buffalo. Talking to the players and just you know what we were hearing and everything. It was. It wasn't like this was something that was just getting overblown in the media. Like this was actually a wake up call for all of these players. And, you know, like Drance pointed out in the piece he wrote for The Athletic was you don't usually hear players use the word soft and you don't hear Travis Green come out and like join in on ganging up on his team. Like usually he defends his team after a tough loss, but that's not what was happening after that game against Buffalo. And they needed to bounce back on Thursday. Like Bo Horvat almost guaranteed a win in his media availability. Like he was like, we have to win tomorrow, basically. Um, and honestly, like I, I was going to say, like, you know, our friends at points bet, they didn't, they didn't have this, but like, if you're following, you should have been betting on the Canucks heavily yesterday after that game against Buffalo, that game in Chicago you just knew the Canucks were going to win that game. Or you hoped, at least, that the Canucks were going to win that game. Yeah, I wouldn't even say you knew. Like, going in, that game against Buffalo, the Canucks were better than they were in the two games before that. But they had to be. Like, they absolutely had to be better. There was, you know, if they got worse, then every every person that's panicking out there, it might be a little early for that, there would have been a lot more people. That would have multiplied by quite a bit if they would have put another stinker, to quote David Quadrelli, uh, against the Blackhawks there. So, they got good goaltending from Thatcher Demko. Obviously, he was excellent in that game. The depth was nice. Um, there are still some things that we're going to talk about later that we've noticed haven't been great for the Vancouver Canucks. But 
yeah, they, they had to step up and, and have a game like that where they just got a win. And it felt like somewhat of a gritty win. You know, you get a goal from Jason Dickinson early on. You get some goals where they're tipped in around the net, like hardworking goals. That's that is a huge piece of success in the NHL. Like, don't get me wrong. You can go in with the better skilled team. But if the other team's going to outwork you, they're going to get a lot more wins out of it in the end, no matter how skilled your team is. I mean, heck, even a good example was at early in the season, seeing the Detroit Red Wings, you know, they end up losing in a shootout to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they still go in there and work and get themselves into overtime there. So you need to be able to work harder than the other team or at least at their level. Like you don't have to outwork every single team that you play if you're skilled like the Vancouver Canucks forward group is, but this is something that should have been building for the past few years of them not being a great team, not having a great roster. Something that you would like to see established by Travis Green is being the team that has to outwork to win because now they have the talent where if you do outwork the other team, you will get wins. And unfortunately, like I, I thought the Canucks were better, but I still don't know if the Canucks outworked the Chicago Blackhawks in that game. I think Demko was a big reason why they won that game. I think there was more scoring chances for the Chicago Blackhawks in that game, more shots on net, just a lot of control where in a game where you want to send a huge message, you would like to see total domination, not just on the scoreboard, but I think in the whole game, you would like to kind of see that. So I, I was pleased with the win, obviously, but not really impressed, I guess is how I'd kind of say it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Harmon, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment and that's where now they're going up against Seattle and it's going to be the Kraken home home opener, I believe. Am I? In? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that building is going to be rocking and you know that Seattle is going to come out of the gate hard. So that's going to be an important test for the Canucks, right? And hopefully they can kind of build on a little bit of that momentum from Chicago because let's be honest, guys. I mean, a lot of people talked about, yeah, it's only four games and no doubt nobody's trying to make snap judgments about the team. But again, like we talked about, that wasn't just a loss against Buffalo. That was kind of a no-show. And... You know, at the start of the season is when you set the tone for, hey, this is a fresh start. And, you know, getting that win against Chicago, man, that was just so, so important. And, I mean, my biggest takeaway from that was just, man, not all of Vancouver's top guys are really going yet, but uh, Quinn Hughes looked phenomenal. Like, that's the best hockey I've seen from Quinn Hughes in a long time. Um, It looked like I was watching the rookie season version of of Hughes, the way he was dominating puck possession, the way he was a one-man breakout machine. In zone offensively, he, I I believe he was the one that took the point shot uh, that uh, deflected in, right? And then Uh, he had another one. 100th point right there on that one. Yeah, and and there was another one that uh, rang off the bar on the power play. And even just defensively, the amount of plays he broke up with his anticipation with this uh, stick work, uh, there were no defensive breakdowns. I mean, that to me was vintage Quinn Hughes. That was a big reason why I think they came out uh, on top with that W. Well, you say vintage Quinn Hughes, but I like you're saying it's weird to say that, but I I just I haven't seen that in a while and it just like brings joy to me. You know, to that point, though, like you mentioned it, you're you're saying there's a lot of things that we're seeing from Quinn Hughes like we saw in his rookie season. But the defending that we've seen for Quinn Hughes is something that we've never seen, I think. er, And so early, right? It's so early. But what a great way to start the season for Quinn Hughes defensively when the things that you're talking about there harm about how he's breaking up plays when they're just entering the blue line. Like I've seen a very. A much more the things that I loved about Jack Rathbone in the AHL last year, like obviously everything he did offensively was great, but seeing Jack Rathbone just like you know when you like go to punch your friend and you like make him flinch, that's kind of what like Quinn Hughes and Jack Rathbone both do with players are coming at the blue line, like when they're co- trying to gain the zone, they just give them a little bit of the body to make them you know stop at the blue line or just hesitate for that split second, and as soon as they hesitate for a split second, guys like Hughes and Rathbone who aren't the biggest bodies. That's when they can get in on the stick check. And that's when they just gain that half a millisecond. It feels like from making them flinch or just pause at the blue line for one quick second. That's what I'm seeing from Quinn Hughes a lot this year. And I know you mentioned vintage Quinn Hughes, but this looks like a very much upgraded Quinn Hughes defensively from you're seeing how he's defending the rush. And that's something that last year definitely was a part that fell off from his game. I think that was a weaker performance than it was in his rookie year. But this year, I know it's so early, but you're right. Like this, this impact that Quinn Hughes has on this defense core and how it kind of balances out the rest of them takes a lot of pressure off of OEL. Like look at how much better OEL looks when he doesn't have to be that number one guy. Obviously he hasn't had to be that for a while. He had Chitrin in, uh, in Arizona before if Quinn Hughes can take that pressure off of OEL, that's, what's going to let OEL succeed here in Vancouver and potentially for a long time, right? Like I know that it's going to, 
we're going to see how he ages over the time. And obviously six years on a contract is long, but if Quinn Hughes can take a lot of pressure off of him, I think he's going to be able to age a lot better than having being forced to be the number one guy. Yeah. And the other thing with um, Hughes, Hughes too, is the, just the way he's able to, you can tell when he's on his game, he can control just the flow and the momentum and just, he's someone who can single-handedly turn the tide of a game. And I think that's, again, that's just so important for this back end right now. And you talk about his defensive game. I really, really think that he has a chip on his shoulder about that. I, I yeah. think he's totally. someone who is, he's a very proud player is, is what you kind of understand when you get, get to know Quinn. And I just think the circumstances of last season were so wonky and it was such a weird situation where he, you know, no preseason, no chance to get uh, get accustomed to Travis Hamannick at the time. And Hamannick, because he hadn't played, uh, he'd missed out on, on the bubble, joined the team late in camp. Hamannick had an awful start too. And so it was it was just the way that COVID season went for Hughes, it just, it it felt like that was an anomaly. And I think now with a fresh start, we're just seeing the potential of what he can be. And I think, I, I really do believe that he's put a lot of effort into things like his backward skating. And he really does care a lot about his defensive reputation. And uh, that ultimately is going to determine his long-term kind of legacy as a, as a player. And, and it's been good to see so far. Now, Harmon, I want to pose this question to you because this was something that was talked about heading into the, like after this game, right? Was Vasily Pod Colson gets the press box treatment. Now, I, for one, like I won't spend too much time talking about this, but I, for one, wasn't really, you know, I, I didn't think it was a huge deal. Like, talk to me after Pud Colson sat for 10 or 20 games. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we have to assume he's going to be sitting against Seattle because when you win, you rarely change your lineup if you're Travis Green. Like, that's just what we know about Travis Green. So what are your thoughts, I guess, on this, you know, benching for Vasily Pod Colson? So this one's interesting because in a lot of situations, I'm sympathetic to a coaching staff. And I think just inherently as fans and media on the outside, we can we can be biased towards the younger guy, right? He's young. He's exciting. Top prospect. You, you kind of visualize all of the potential in a player. And I think sometimes fans can be overboard in their enthusiasm. And when I look at a guy like Jake Vertanen, right? Like that's a situation where the coaching staff was criticized for a long time about why is Jake not in the top six? Why is Jake not doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And like when you pay, paid closer attention, you could see the justification for why Vertanen wasn't getting those opportunities over some of the veterans. I don't think this is one of those cases. I This is one of those circumstances for me where I don't think Vasily Podkolzin should have been benched. And again, this is coming from someone who I usually sympathize with a coach's perspective. I just don't see it here. And the reason why is when I look at Alex Chase on, for, for starters, power play one, I don't think it needs Chase on, to be completely honest. And I get the rationale. I'm sure the coaching staff looked at, okay, PP1 scored a couple times against Philly when Chase on was in the lineup. And, you know, it's been driver since. So, okay, okay, they're thinking. Let's let's get Chase on into the mix. Maybe that can get power play one going. For starters, I don't agree with that logic because the reason power play one wasn't working was a because of the entries and b because it was stationary, especially on the uh, on the flanks and the perimeter. And I don't think that has anything to do with who's playing net front. Um, Big and, thing is if I can cut in yeah. for a second is the entries. Like you bring up a really yeah. good point. Where where is Chase on on entries? Not yeah, really helping like, that much. And the drop pass having that be your your go-to to enter if you have a guy like chase on completely taken out of play it's another option that's gone along with the guy dropping the puck you're basically you basically have three options you could skate you can go left or you can go right with your pass that's all you have to enter and i think that's something that's hurting them yeah and we saw in the five on three and thank goodness the coaching staff put brock besser out for the, <laughs> for the five on three he scores i think brock besser is good enough to be the net front guy on pp1 and then I think about the other element is at even strength, Alex Chason's been a defensive liability. You look at that first game uh, against Edmonton at uh, Oilers' uh, opening goal by Jesse Pugliarvi. It came because Chason, for some reason, decided to pinch into the middle because the, the winger is supposed to be uh, responsible for covering the points. And he pinched into the middle for some reason. And Darnell Nurse had a chance to walk straight down Broadway. And he took the shot and Pugliarvi 
banked home the rebound. That was a breakdown that in large part came because of chase on. And then the opening goal against Detroit, the Robbie Fabry deflected goal. That was because chase on made a beeline to the puck carrier at towards the middle of the blue line. And he missed. And then Mark Stahl had a chance to walk down and hit Fabry mm-hmm. for the slap pass. Like chase on has been a defensive liability. And yeah. when I look at pod Colson too, I get Dave's point that, yeah, it's only a game, but I just, the thing about, the thing with Pod Coles and I, I really would want to be cognizant of is the confidence aspect because I think with him, he's someone who you can, I don't want him to have the thought in the back of his mind of, man, if I mess up, I'm going to be back in the press box because you know that's what it was yeah. in the KHL. Exactly. You're he, exactly he couldn't right, play Harm. his game. He had to go out and be this grinder, just dump and chase. And I don't want him doing that. I want Pod Colson to 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 have the confidence to try things, to to make plays. And I think go back to that Buffalo game. There weren't a lot of silver linings in that, but that first period, that Miller Pod Colson Dowling line, like we saw Pod Colson's little button hook, the the pass fired down to Miller, and Pod Colson didn't get the assist on the play, but he was instrumental to that goal. And I'm just like. I see his confidence growing and it's like he's back in the press box now. I'm just like, he needs reps. I don't want him in and out of the lineup and just, I I think just let him play. Like let him, it's fine if he makes mistakes in the bottom six. I'm not saying he needs to play 15, 16 minutes a night. I'm, I have no problems if there are situations where it's like 10 minutes left in the third period, you're defending a lead and you want to sit him on the bench. Fine, do that. But just let him play, let him grow. And that's just one of the things that it kind of, usually things like this don't bug me. This time it kind of bugs me. I, I agree. I'm obviously people are going to know that I'm going <laughs> to be mad that Pod Colson was benched. I'm, I'm with you in a lot of you made a lot of really good points there. Honestly, like the thing about Pod Colson that you'd like to see is him be able to reach his potential. And I think something that was talked about so much about him in the KHL was just there was no chance. Right. Because for good reason, I mean, not really good reason, but I guess from Scott's point of view, Vasily Pod Colson was never going to reach his potential there. He was never going to reach his potential in the KHL because he was coming over to the NHL. So if you're going to put him into positions where you want him to hit his potential at the NHL level, you want to just build as much as you can and build and get him reps in the NHL so that he, like you said, is able to be confident and try these things. And you brought up the, I guess, the third assist that he got the other day because he didn't get run technically. Gains the zone on that completely, makes a great play, good pass. I just think that I look at the other players on this Canucks lineup and then I look at guys playing seven minutes a night playing six minutes a night in Lamico. Like why is pod Colson not in the lineup? Doesn't make sense to me. I, I really disagree with this one as well. I think that he's a guy out of everyone on the NHL roster. He needs NHL reps the most. He need like Kyle Burrows. Great. Good to have him in the NHL. He needs to get some NHL reps to see if he's really a third pairing guy, but your first round pick 10th overall, who looks like the type of player that you would like to build and build and build and get him to a point like he was in the KHL playoffs last year where he was able to make a huge difference on a team. Imagine if they can get Pod Colson to not even like a, a similar level, because I think asking Pod Colson to be the leading scorer of the Canucks in the playoffs is a lot in his rookie season, but he is going to elevate his game when he gets to those type of moments. I just want to see if they're able to get him to elevate his game earlier than that. Like, I still feel that he is he's timid. He's playing on the outside. He's not moving his feet enough. Like Travis Green's points that he brings up, about Vasily Podkolzin, they're really good. And the only thing that I'll give Green the benefit of the doubt here is that he talked about it in the post game when I think Drancer asked him about the Podkolzin benching and, and scratching. And he said, you know, we worked on a lot of things with Podkolzin today. Like he got a lot of work in that's going to help him in the long run. I hope that a lot of that is sort of video work or being able to say like, because there are things that you can spot with Podkolzin where it's like, man, it'd be good For if sure. he was moving his feet here. If he was. If he was really skating hard here, I think when we saw him play on the line with Miller and Pedersen, it was very clear to see that there was like he wasn't moving his feet well enough. But he's another example of a guy who, yeah, I can see why they don't play him in the last ten minutes of a game when it's tied or if it's if you're you know yeah, that's fine. winning by one, that's totally fine. But he's a guy you got to start getting reps, and he's a guy that can move around in the lineup. And I'd like to see him just get a run. With a guy like Niels Huglander. We talk about Niels Huglander being the spark plug every week on this show. Those two got to play together, man. At some point, those two have to play together. Like, they really do. They play such a similar game when they're on. The thing about Pod Colson and, and Huglander that's so different is Huglander's found it in the NHL immediately. Like, 
in a snap of fingers when he hit the NHL, he knew how to be on 24-7 every time he's on the ice. We're not really seeing that from Pod Colson yet, but goddamn, man, I tell you, if when he starts playing with Huglander, I think that's when Pod Colson is going to be able to find that zone where he can be on and in fifth gear every single shift. Chris, it's just like he barely played in the KHL. And like it's even just like from a playing time perspective, and I completely get the coaching staff's perspective, but it's also just like it's only game five of the regular season. Like this isn't like game 78 and you're trying to make um, and it's like a do or die, essentially like a playoff game. Um, we're so early into the season and I just don't want that to be like a mental hurdle for pod Coles and where it's like well, when it's so early. It's in your head at all times, exactly. right? Because if it happens in game five, it can happen in game seven. It can happen in game 15. It's going to happen in game six. It will happen. Like, that's the thing. To see him get benched back-to-back games. Especially, what does Chase Home bring? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, we're going to get to... We'll talk about the power play more in the poll question when we get to there. But bench, I think this is a, a big... Not, a, not the biggest mistake, like, in the terms of what the season is and how it is, but... It's just it, this one's a mistake that's pretty obvious to me. Sitting out Vasily Pod Colson, who really just needs these reps more than anyone in the end. Like he needs to get these reps to build his confidence, like you said. And he doesn't have to be. He can be on a fourth line. Like why is he not playing on the fourth line and being there instead of? You know, I know Justin Dowling is going to kill penalties. I know Highmore is going to kill penalties. But you have enough bodies that can go out there and kill penalty, penalties themselves. This pot, this ice time is way more valuable in Pod Colson's hands than it is Highmore or Lamico or Dowling or or Chason. Like right, like you know when Chason was playing on the first line to cover for Hor- or for Besser, I understood it a little bit because you know Pod Colson's probably not going to hop up into that spot. But when you're putting Chason in at the fourth line because he helps your power play, I don't think so. I don't think that I don't think that's the better move for the power play. Like I said, we'll get to this in the second half with the poll question, but. I don't think the fourth line is better with Chase on. I don't think it's even close to better with Soxie, with Chase. Sorry. I'm sorry to <laughs> well, say. You, I'm glad you broke down the two plays from Chase on. Sorry, that's though, a little mean. Because I don't think a lot of people saw that when they watched those two goals go in. Because the problem was you didn't immediately see that it was Chase on's fault. Because there was time. Because they were saying the guy was open in front of the net. That's probably the center's guy to be down there covering that guy. But I remember Pedersen had to move up to cover on that play. Yeah. Because chase on blew his assignment. You can see it in the video. Yeah, exactly. If you watched it from the, if you just saw like the, how the puck went in, you'd be like, Oh, what's the center doing? Not covering his own. But the two seconds prior to that forced Pedersen to move out of the zone to go cover a different guy. leaves another guy wide open. Yeah. I, you know, chase on, I think he can fit in the lineup at some point, but to me, he's the 13th. Yeah. Well, I can see Chase on playing over a Dowling or a Highmore in certain yeah, situations, I mean, but honestly, last few games, I think Highmore and Dowling have played well enough to not come out of the yeah, lineup. Like, yeah. And I think it's weird because Highmore right now is the one getting third line minutes, right? Like he was on Miller's line the other day to start or not Miller's line. He was on uh, Dickinson line to start. And, and I thought they were fine together, but pod Colson's another guy you'd like to see. Just get some more of a run there, especially when like why? It's weird how Pod Colson's played all these times and hasn't gotten that opportunity with Huglander yet. Like all the line combinations that have happened, how many I don't times? think they want two young, two young guys, and and the reason is Huglander. But with Dickinson, Huglander's been so good. But the thing is, he still has defensive work to do. Like we don't notice it, but like I remember doing a deep dive a few months ago on JT Miller at center. Um, and as a byproduct, I got to see a lot of Hoglander video just up close and personal. And like, he's still figuring out the defensive zone. And I think the coaching staff looks at pod Coles and says, he's still figuring out the defensive zone. And I don't know if they want to play those guys together for that reason right now. I think it could work with Dickinson though. I think if you're like Dickinson has looked really good last well, one, at least the game against the Blackhawks by far his best game. Yeah. I, I think if you're the smart decision would be getting pod Coles back and getting him right there. Yeah. To Lots- start. Lots of good points being made. We'll pick up this conversation and another one on the other side of the break. We'll also get to our poll question. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks conversation. Muddlers. Muddlers Pink Lemonade. We are so excited to tell you guys about Muddlers Pink Lemonade. My drink of choice. You guys have all seen it by now. Faber and I went out drinking. That was my uh, drink of choice. First night. 
I think that the catchphrase for this ad has to be, it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. Absolutely. It's so good. It's absolutely the best pink lemonade on the market by far. A lot of these other drinks are just a little too sweet for me. Like, I, I don't really like that. And this is like a nice mix because I also don't like when it tastes too much like alcohol. But this is like the, the perfect balance. There's a reason that it was the drink I got when we went to the Parallel Street Kitchen as well. It, absolutely, man. It is the sweet spot for quads in the alcoholic beverage realm. You can find it, like you said, at Parallel 49 Street Kitchen and in a ton of liquor stores. All the BC liquor stores have it. It's the bright pink cans, Muddler's Pink Lemonade. Go out and try it today. Alert, alert. Parallel 49 is bringing back one of its favorite beers of the winter. The Salty Scott is back, folks. The Scotch Ale we all know and love is now available across British Columbia in their government and private liquor stores. Enjoy a strong caramel flavor, a salty bite, and a generous 7.5% alcohol. It only takes one of these tall boys to get the night going. So go out and try a Parallel 49 Salty Scott today. And a huge thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. We will get to the poll question right now as I pull it up. I should have done this before we started, but it is brought to you by at Fuel the Fan on Twitter, Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia. Go check them out. A lot of good stuff. Signed Thatcher Demko pictures that you can buy. Those, those are what I'd be buying if I was buying. I got a feeling Demko is hard to get an autograph from. You know what? I, I, I don't doubt that. Depends, though. Cause what, he, what makes you say that? Though? Well, just like the way that Demko is after a loss compared to a win. Very different, dude. So I wonder, like, getting a, you know, maybe that would be like what the signature is even like more valuable. It's like this is a signed Thatcher Demko picture after a loss. He's a, he's two different dudes. Like oh, there's it's it, there's definitely like a I wonder if he's like he's got like a split personality, like a yeah. Gemini or something where it's <laughs> like um, like sometimes he's in a really good, like lighthearted mood and like. I remember the 2019-20 season doing like breakout predictions, right? Asking every guy on the team who who's going to have a huge year on the season. Everyone's going, oh, like PD, Quinn, you know, the odd bow in there. And Demko goes, Tim Schaller. <laughs> and just like smiling, laughing. And I just like chuckle. And he's like, oh, what's so funny? It's just like, it's just so funny. And then there are other days where he's just like a brick wall. Yeah, There's just like nothing. Talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't Tim Schaller actually have a pretty good start to that season? He did. He had the four, <laughs> he had like four goals. Like Demko Tim knew. Schaller, uh, your favorite team quads in the AHL, the Ontario Reign. Ah, very Tim nice. Schaller, top line center. I I like Tim Schaller a lot. When when Tanev, Markstrom, and Stetcher left in the offseason, and Toffoli as well, uh, Bo Horvat made an Instagram post being like, gonna miss these guys, right? I, I remember and that. Tim Schaller comments on it. He goes, where's my appreciation <laughs> post? Oh man, yeah. You, you, Who's gonna get an appreciation post this year? Oh, we haven't really thought about that from the team. Like, <laughs> imagine Tyler Toffoli getting an appreciation post. Like, are they oh, just like a videotron? Yeah, mean? they just like play all of well, the Edler. Edler's for sure. Edler them. for sure. I'm just um, thinking like they're gonna package imagine? Louis, uh, Louis Beagle, Beagle Antoine. and yeah. Antoine. Yeah, absolutely. Who was here for so long? Yeah, they'll be here. They'll yeah. be. By the way, seeing the Patty Kane thousand game silver stick. I'm not going to lie. The one thing I'll miss is Louis at 980 NHL games. Mm-hmm. It would have been 20 games away. Can you imagine if you would have had a silver stick ceremony at Rogers Arena? <laughs> Could you imagine if it's like when he, like, I don't know. Maybe you got to check the schedule. I did. I actually did. It's he's So he's got 20 games and Vancouver comes up around the like 26 game mark. So we'll have to like miss a few games. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, hopefully a few healthy scratches here and there. Oh man, that would be <laughs> Can golden. You imagine? Oh man, that would be fantastic. If Vancouver gets to be the place where Louis Erickson oh. celebrates a thousand career games. Oh man, I hope someone in Arizona has a sense of humor. I'd that bring, makes that happen. I'll give someone my uh, my Louis Erickson Chinese Lunar New Year, Year jersey. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. I love that so much. I think Tyler Myers is going to get that big. Big cheer as soon as it's opening night. I'm telling. I know you. you're booked. You're booked on this. I'm. I am set that Tyler Myers. He'll get a nice cheer. Huge cheer for that Duncan Keith hit. Like, yeah. I want. They, to be they have ovation. to. They have to include that in some kind of like highlight video package. highlight pack. Yeah. They have oh. to home opener get the fans jacked up. Yeah, and they should just like slow it down, like slow mo. Slow mo. Like, that's the longest clip. They just in play the like thing. a full song with just that hit on repeat from different angles. <laughs> 
like oh, as man. many different angles as possible. That would just get people so excited. Like yeah. no one would, no one would bat an eye. Everybody I, would. Absolutely did I tell you bat. about the? So what I was doing when I worked on Sportsnet the day after? Did I tell you you guys about this? No. So I, I worked on Sportsnet the day after that big hit, and everyone was hyped about Myers. Right? Everyone, I was doing the People Show. Everyone's so hyped about Myers. So I edited like a bunch of songs and replaced like big points of songs with uh, Harnaran Singh's call of Tyler Myers. Like he did like this huge call with his That's head. So, funny. so I changed like you know the song. Uh, it's called "F You" by CeeLo Green. And I changed, like, I took out the, obviously, the F word. I can't say that on, on radio. So I changed that to uh, Harnaran's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing his name probably wrong. Oh, but, no, it's okay, pretty good, well, actually. His, his pronunciation is Tyler Myers' call over top of, like, <laughs> the drive around town with the girl I love. And I'm like, Tyler Myers, you. <laughs> That's so funny. And then we did, like, that song where it's like, here comes the Tyler Myers. Like, <laughs> it, was like, it was like, here comes the boom remix. Oh, so there was a man. bunch. People were sending in texts. And yeah, that was, uh, that was some so quality funny. radio right there. That's I could I could play one, actually, probably if I was able to find it uh, on the podcast form. I, don't, I might have to dig through it a little bit here. Yeah, you take your time. I will read out the poll question. We'll get Harmon's thoughts on it while you try to dig that clip up, Chris. So again, brought to you by Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia at Fuel the Fan on Twitter. Go check them out. Our poll question today. Who should be on the first power play unit? Brock Besser, Garland or Hoaglander, Chason or Chason with the alternate spelling that was actually on his jersey in an NHL game. And of course, I'm angry. Harmon, 71% of people right now saying Brock Besser, 19% say Garland or Hoaglander, 3% for Chason or Chason. I was going to guess 3% for Chason. <laughs> 7% say I'm angry. Harmon, your thoughts. I really think it, ha- it it has to be Besser and, you know, for, it, it kind of depends too, if they want to keep their current configuration. I mean, they at least scored the, uh, the other game against Chicago. So I think, you know, they may obviously keep Miller and, and Pedersen on, on the flanks and, and Bo in the bumper. And so if that's the current configuration, I think you still need that right shot guy. So I think that precludes someone like, uh, like, like a lefty, like Hoaglander. And from there, it's like, Besser and Garland. Besser has a little bit more experience in that net front position, and uh, and yeah, I mean we've talked about Chase on. I, I just I, I think the upgrade, even in terms of being a power, in terms of power play specialty between Besser and, and Chase on. Like I don't think Chase on's, like, if anything, he's a marginal upgrade in that specific slot. I think Besser's more than good enough. He scored the other night on the five on three. Um, I would just roll with him. So you go, you're going Miller on the left. You're not moving Miller from the left side. I, you know what? I wouldn't be opposed to, like, if they want to change the look of the power play, which I think they may have to do at some point, because I don't know if you're noticing this as well, but it's, I don't know if overcoached is the right word, but it's like this power play has has the idea of, okay, we've got this few looks we want to go to. And, like, the few looks are... Miller to bow directly in the bumper. Um, Miller down to the right shot guy. So like a chase on or a Besser, the tic-tac-toe back to Horvat. Yep. Or it's like the Miller goes downhill and then curls back to hit uh, Hughes with for the one-timer. And then it's just like Hughes setting up Pedersen for the one-timer. It's like those are the few looks and like that's it. And like it's almost as if these these players are like programmed. It's like a, it's like a, co- a computer program <laughs> where it's like they're looking for those few plays and if those plays aren't there they like just don't know what to do and it's like yeah. penalty kills because this power play look has been the same since essentially 2019-20 like i can just see when they went to the tic-tac-toe for example and i think it was like the detroit game like they just knew right away that that was coming and it's like there's no improvisation there there's no room for like creativity so i think they may have to change it and if they do change it yeah i wouldn't mind you know, I wouldn't mind, say, like a Miller at the net front. I wouldn't even mind, like, I think they need to use Pedersen in, in a more dynamics, dynamic way. I wouldn't even mind using him on his uh, strong side and make him go on his downhill side. Be, allow him to be in that kind of JT Miller spot where he's the primary play initiator. Get him involved as a playmaker. And maybe then you have Brock Best on the opposite flank as your downhill guy is another really good shooter. Um, anything makes sense right now, right? Like anything has the the problem with the power play to me right now is like, you know, they have a decent percentage, like they're still scoring, but there's so many where there's just not a scoring chance. Like I, I, that's something that I would look at at this power play right now is like, I wouldn't look at their, how many goals they've scored. I'd look at how many actual like scoring chances they're getting per 60, because that has to be a lot lower than, than a lot of other teams in the league, because 
they are sometimes just not even being able to get into the zone like you've talked about earlier. But you're right. Teams are starting to figure out like teams do great job with video work in 2021. They know what is coming from the Vancouver Canucks power play unit. But how many looks has Horvat gone in the bumper? Yeah. Oh, that's none. Yeah. Only only a couple. Very. It's been few and far because of that guy. You've touched on this. Like they don't have the Toffoli making the pass down there anymore. Remember, that was just game over when that was happening to Foley, but that to me, it's just, yeah, you're right. Like you bring up a really good point with Pedersen. Pedersen can score from anywhere on the ice. He just happens to have a really good one timer, right? Like he happens to have a really good one timer, but the dude can score from anywhere on the ice. He doesn't, I, I just, I hate that he's stuck there, that he's just stuck there in that spot. Like at least even JT Miller moves around a lot. Pedersen. It's just like the way that Pedersen's going to score on the power play is if a perfect pass is made by Quinn Hughes or if JT Miller draws enough guys out of position to make that pass across, it doesn't feel like there's another way for Pedersen to score. And there should be because he's very capable of doing it and he can, he's capable of doing it everywhere on the ice. So that's why the, we talk about the, this team, this power play being so stagnant and not moving around enough. When you, why not? Why isn't Pedersen even just moving around the ice quite a bit? Like, this, they're smart players. They're smart offensive players, and I think that they could be able to adjust to a guy moving around the ice. Like I, that part is just—it's so confusing to me that they have to stay in their same spot. Uh, two, two things on that. I'm even thinking about it. Like since his rookie season, how many one-time bomb goals has Patterson scored? Not that many. Yeah, I don't think there's been that many. Like he's he's gone he's gone in it from time to time, but that's going to be bound to happen when you have a player of Pedersen's like, caliber. Honestly, if I were to in guess, that one spot, right? Yeah. Like something like maybe twelve in in two seasons, you think, or is that high low? I'm talking just one timers. Yeah, one timers. I'd say. I mean, I I don't know off the top of my head, but just uh, you know, thinking about it, I I can't recall too too many. And like, obviously, a huge part of that is because penalty kills are cheating over. Yeah, and. You know, the other thing, too, is so number one, I and part of that is because Pedersen, I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, I talked to I, I think I've talked to Sat uh, Sat about this. Both noticed like Pedersen needs kind of like a, he needs the, the pass in the perfect kind of slot. And it's a very kind of like narrow, like he needs it on a tee um, to, to really get the one time. Otherwise, he's very picky with what with what passes he's willing to shoot on and i think that's part of it and then the other thing too is is for as good of a shot as Pedersen has we know with what kind of vision he has he's such a good playmaker and you know from that left side you know i could see him you know i think it would take him time and i think that's maybe the one kind of consternation you have about that new look but the idea of him picking up speed downhill and the thing, and this is a key when you're coming on your strong side, you know, obviously the con is you don't have your one timer, but the benefit is you're coming down, you have speed downhill. And because of your body position, when you're on a strong side, penalty killers can't tell if you're going to shoot or pass. And that's where Pedersen is a dual threat. And he's so effective because especially if you position Besser at the opposite flank, now all of a sudden you have the op- opportunity to hit the cross seam and, and think about with, how many top- also on top of that with the guy he has the best chemistry with. Yeah. And here's the other thing too, is like, look at all these other power plays around the league. Like when Chicago scored Edmonton, so many of the top power play units just take advantage of that seam pass through the middle. And, you know, with Vancouver's current positioning, they're not, I guess, like using that scene pass. And, you know, I just, I wonder if things get stale, right? Like, I'm not saying they need to make this change now, but if things get stale and they need to try a new look, um, I'd be thinking about how can I get Pedersen more involved? Even with that scene pass that you talk about, like McDavid and Dreisaitl, good example of it. Yeah, Pedersen's still staying in that spot for the one-timer when Dreisaitl gets down deep. Like, he gets deep in there to get that pass available from McDavid. Right now, when, when JT Miller's the guy circling and gaining all that power when he's coming in on his left side, it's not like Pedersen's going towards the net. He's still staying in that spot because he's waiting for Miller to dump it back to Hughes so he can dump it over to him. You also need to see some more out of Pedersen. And I think for him, it's just like, listen, you love your you love your one-timer. We all love the one-timer when it happens and when it works. But I think Pedersen has to move more himself just on the power play unit too. And like you know what's special about Edmonton's power play. I mean, they were league best. I think they were historic last season. Watched them again last night, and 
nearly impossible to defend against. Why? Because they have an endless arsenal of potential plays. And the reason is every guy on that power play can play any position. Like I was watching Nugent Hopkins was on the left flank. You know, I've seen McDavid there. And, you know, you saw McDavid and Drysdale exchanging spots on the power play. And it's just like all these players in the flank and the bumper, they're interchangeable. Like I've seen situations where Drysdale's been in the bumper last season. And it's just there's so much fluidity. And I think part of it is going to come down to like, I'm not saying that's what the Canucks need to get to. I don't think that's a realistic expectation. Some of these guys are so young. But the point is, like, if that if Edmonton's power plays the bar, which right now it is, it's world class. Yeah. What makes it special is how unpredictable it is and how many different ways they can beat you. And if you kind of work your way backwards and look at Vancouver's power play, um, they need to just add a little bit of that ability to, if penalty killers know what looks you're going to go for, some ways of, you got to have a plan plan C when plan B doesn't work. And you got to be able to uh, adapt and improvise. Now, Harmon, if you, ha- if you were the power play coach, how are you changing things other than obviously I know you've said get Patterson more involved, but like what other plays are you seeing from them or that you'd like to see from them? Because right now it's, you know, it's the one timer and then it's obviously um, passing it into the slot and going for that other one timer. So what are you looking at? Like what's another play you'd think that this personnel can pull off? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that, that, that's really interesting. I think, again, when I talk about Pedersen potentially on a strong side, and I'd, I'd have to go back because I, I remember I did something, um, I did I did something a while back on the idea of Pedersen and Besser on their strong sides, and my memory is a little bit hazy. And I'd like <laughs> mapped out different looks, and you know I have to really like sit down and think about it because you have to make sure the handedness all works together. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is a complex uh, complex thing, and it's not easy doing this. It's it's a lot easier to point out kind of what needs to change. But again, just even when you're in that, in again, Pedersen left side, best or right side, like just the seam pass itself. Um, and, and, and how those guys can like, once those guys pick up chemistry, they're going to be able to like when Pedersen's and in this, then this even happens like, if you pay attention to Edmonds, Edmonds power play with McDavid, what'll happen is they'll like, a lot of times they'll reload out of the, like when let's say Hughes has the puck or it's on the other flank, the guy on the left flank, the left shot will kind of like reload around out of the blue line and calm down so that when he has the puck, he's just like barreling down with speed. And that's when you have that speed, you know, you could set Miller down low and, or you could go, you could, you could hit that cross seam. You could, you have bow in the bumper. Um, and like, even, even if it's not those looks, even something like the, um, like the bump back to Hughes for the one-timer, I feel like once you attack with more speed, it's going to draw more attention and it creates more space. Whereas like, you know, even if let's say the Canucks want to keep their current configuration, one thing I'd like to see him do more is, is that left flank guy just, I'm finding it, I'm finding it hard to articulate myself. I don't think I'm doing it very clearly, but a lot of times it's just that guy will leave the leave the zone momentarily just like reload so that once he picks up the puck he's got speed and sometimes it can feel like when JT Miller has the puck he's too it's like he's too deep into the zone already it's almost like he's a little bit too close to the faceoff circle which is why they have to come out of the blue line because you want full speed at the blue line yeah so you have space and you have speed and like that's what draws penalty killers in that's what makes it a little bit more dynamic so even that like little minor adjustment I think would be really helpful and so i mean i'm no power play kind of expert or anything but like those are just some of the thoughts um that come to mind obviously coming up with solutions it's not going to be easy but with the amount of amount of talent this group has like they like they, they should be able to 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 configure looks if, if penalty killers are at the point where they can figure things out and, and you touch on the talent like that's a good example of like people believe Pedersen can be one of the best you know, dynamic offensive players in the NHL in the coming years, then maybe he should be the guy getting that pass instead of JT Miller, who we've seen do it. And, and I think we've liked when JT Miller does have the puck and he does it because it's a different look, right? It's something different that we haven't seen from the power play when they're just stuck in their same positions. That's why for me, it, it moving Pedersen on that side, like I'm, I'm definitely open to the thought of it because it, it's just something it's different. It's just an idea. You don't have to do yeah. it. Like, it's just like, Hey, that's one possibility, but you know what? 
it's not even like you're completely changing the power play because maybe he does. He runs in and then it doesn't work out and a rotation happens and he's back on the right side again. Like, see, people don't you can't you're not just stuck on the left side or the right side. Like the thing that we're kind of both hinting at here is is having that fluidity that you mentioned, like that can happen in throughout the power play. It doesn't mean that like, oh, this power play, we're going to put Besser on the left side. This power play, we're going to have Pedersen on the right side. Next time, though, we're going to, if it doesn't score, maybe we'll try Pedersen on the left side. It's like, dude, they can skate around the ice. They can move from side to side. They can go to different areas of the ice. That should be a, a real thing they should be focused on right now. But I also want to say, like, I'm looking at the poll question right now, and everybody's voting for Brock Besser. There's a small majority of people saying that Garland or Huglander could make a minority difference. Of people. What did I say? Majority, which indicates the... Well, anyways, the greater part of it. All right, all right, sounds good. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, oh, damn it. Small minority of people voting Hoglander or Garland. Yeah, those Sorry. people, the majority, as I call them, they are voting for <laughs> Not the for a different look because I think that when you do look at the type of players that Garland and Hoglander can both be in the offensive zone, they're the type of guys who aren't going to stay in one spot. That's what I think. I like. I wouldn't. If I was mm-hmm. building the five guys, I, like I would really consider it. I would really consider putting Garland and Huglander there if you believe your power play is not moving well enough. Because I think those guys, if you let them run free, they're going to force other players to move as well. I actually agree with you there. And part of the reason is that Garland goal that was scored against Detroit. Him able to pick that corner is, look, if you're on a power play and there's and it's as stationary as the Canucks power play usually is, and you have a guy who can shoot like that, you have that threat available like, I'm not saying he's going to snipe off the back of goalies' heads every time the Canucks have a power play. But I'm saying, you know, like you mentioned, just the speed he brings and the movement that he's going to cause just by moving himself is going to be something that this power play should value. Like Not, not to mention getting pucks out of corners, too. Exactly. Like, you know, same with Hoaglander, like, wins most of his board battles, right? And... Like I, I, I like the idea of having a guy like that on the power play. I really do. And with that, you move likely Besser is likely the guy who comes off. Which I've said Besser on the second unit, Which, not a bad idea. You know, the other night I did like the look of that because I, like I said, like looking at what that umbrella part of the power play can look like if you have Besser, OEL, Jack Rathbone. That's a good second. That's where Chase on fits to me. That's where Chase on fits because you have those three shooters. Let them go wild and let Chase on hang around in the crease. Let him just be a, a net front presence for when you have those three shooters that you just want to get as many opportunities as possible. And something with the second unit that I've liked is look who's carrying the puck up every time from their own zone. It's Oliver Ekman Larson, and there's no one for him to drop the puck to. You guys notice this with the second unit? They don't do the drop pass. Like they come up with Oliver Ekman Larson as the furthest guy back, two options that are already at the blue line, and then two options on his wings. They don't have a draw pass on the second unit, and it, it helps them gain the zone a lot. So I know that the draw pass isn't the worst thing in the world. I know it works for every team, but to see the second unit have so much more success at gaining the zone, maybe the first unit needs to do something similar as well, or at least have like different options to gain the zone as well. But all right, I think that's enough power play talk for a little bit. We've probably gone on for another hour. To be yeah. Honest. Before- do you want to hear the? Uh, want to hear my Tyler Myers remix here? Yes. Is it ready? It's ready. Let's to do go. it. Turn Let's me up. It. Yeah, you're this turned is, up. Uh, this is how I started the people show on uh, after the episode of after Tyler Myers' special day. All we need is uh, we. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic! Some quality also, stuff there. I'm the only one wearing headphones, so Harmon can't really react. Unfortunately, I'll play it for Harmon later. You'll, yeah, Harmon, you'll hear it later. It was fantastic. The listeners, I'm sure, absolutely. Loved I forgot it. it when it goes. Whatever, blow the scene. It's all right. It's all right. Boom! Here comes Tyler Myers. That's what it was. That's <laughs> it is it solid. Was. It is. Bit, yeah, you you did well with that. You absolutely did well with that. Should we close out there? Or do you want to touch on any other topics? Oh, man. I don't think I've done much prospect reporting over the last week. I mean... Yeah, do you have anything? No, we're going to go out to uh, Abbotsford, get a chance to... I think Harmon and I were kind of touching on this. I mean, maybe we'll, this is, will be a little prospect report here. 
we're really curious to see how Klimovich is fitting in. That's something you and I were talking about yeah. in the car ride over here. I know that, you know, we're not spending, you know, even myself, I haven't been able to watch every single shift. I've watched two of the two of the three games. Uh, yeah, they've only played three at this point. So I've watched two of the three games, so I missed one. I didn't get a chance to see all the Klimovich stuff, but the kid scoring two goals in two HL games, it's got to mean something. And I'm excited to see him in person tonight. But the big thing is, since we had no media on the road with them, it's hard to kind of get the vibe of what people are thinking about Klimovich because there are times in the games that I have seen where Klimovich still you know floats a little bit. He doesn't do all the things you want to be doing defensively. I wonder how the communication is going with Trent Call, and that's something we're obviously going to have to ask about today uh, and get another chance on Sunday as well. I'll be at both games getting some some quotes from them and have a nice little write up. Uh, Probably Monday. We'll think we'll do a big Monday wrap-up for AHL. We're not going to wrap up every game uh, at Canucks Army. But Monday, we'll have a big article um, from some stuff out there in Abbotsford. I, I'm super curious to see what Trent Call is thinking about Klimovich right now. Because there's a lot of things that a coach will hate about what Klimovich is doing from the things that I've seen. But the kid's putting the puck in the back of the net. And that's something you got to be excited about for an 18-year-old. Absolutely. Harmon, anything to add before I close out? No, just excited for the, well, not excited for the, I was about to say, I'm excited for the drive out. The drive out's not going to be fun, but I'm excited for the game in Abbotsford. And yeah, it's, uh, it'll be fun. Let's touch on the drive for a second. Literally, it's like afternoon on a Friday. Friday is a bad time to drive out there anyways. Just looked at the map. It's about an hour and a half right now. It's going to be even longer now. It's going to be longer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You guys enjoy that? Yeah, drive Meanwhile, back. quads will slack off as always. No, yeah, I'm actually going to go home and write an article. Friends over, no. and going out for drinks probably, no, building the Ferris to wheel tomorrow. I got work by watching an NBA game. Yeah, or I got a lot of work to do actually. Man, okay. bumping elbows with all his friends and yeah, yeah. I gotta get out of here. Go shaking get- hands, shaking <laughs> babies. Okay, <laughs> taking, taking a Kissing little hands. different direction. But uh, yeah, we'll close it out there for Chris Faber. And of course, Harmon Dial. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.